Hello and welcome to a new episode of BIM Voice. Today, it's a little bit more special episode. I have two guests with me, the founders of Speckle, Dimitri Stefanescu and Matteo Cominetti. I hope I pronounced the Italian uh, name uh, right, Matteo. Yeah, it's perfect. Because Romanian one, I'm Romanian, you know, so it was easy. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, guys. Uh, please present yourself in order. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for uh, having us, Petru. And yes, like you pronounced Matteo's name perfectly well. So it's uh, <laughs> no issues there. So yeah, I'm, I'm Dimitri. I started Speckle maybe as a some time ago, maybe almost six years ago now, like 2015, as a research project inside UCL. And yeah, since then many things have changed. But I guess we'll we'll talk about the story later. I'll let Matteo introduce himself. Yeah, Matteo, co-founder of Speckle. I actually was one of the very early collaborators, contributors to the project. Oh, yeah. First contributor, dude. Mm-hmm. First official contributor. Wow. <laughs> yes, outside uh, of yeah. Anyway, go ahead. And then for a while, I was a co-worker of Dimitri while we were at Arup, and then we decided, yeah, to to shape up a proper company around the project, and here we are. Nice. What is Speckle? Can you please share your screen and uh, tell me briefly what uh, is Speckle and what it does. Man, this is a complicated exercise that we're continuously uh, undergoing and revising. Um, like, what is Speckle in? What's the elevator pitch, Matteo? We never really have a good elevator pitch. Really. Oh, we, we can start by saying what problems we're trying to solve with Speckle, yeah. right? That's always yeah. a good uh, reminder of <laughs> status of the industry and why <laughs> the project is there. True. Yeah. So, I mean, the current tagline of Speckle is that we want to empower your design and construction data. The problems that we're simply trying to solve or where Speckle originated kind of as a, you know, its reasons of existence, its original ones was simply like kind of uh, help collaboration and help kind of, um, that also meant interoperability, obviously. But mostly it was to help collaboration between all the stakeholders within AEC to have kind of, let's say, data-informed discussions, if you will, right? Um, And that's, again, quite broad, but the more we kind of uh, progressed with Speckle, the more we kind of narrowed it down uh, technically, and we've broadened kind of the potential of Speckle as a platform itself technologically at the same time. So we're designing kind of lower and lower level building blocks that help companies uh, right, kind of scaffold entire digital data-driven workflows, if you want, on top of spec. Interesting. Yeah, and, and why we do this, it's like Matteo says this quite well. It's because we always found that, you know, these kind of building blocks, they always tend to be recreated within companies. So it's the same problems of getting a line from Rhino into Revit and then accessing the length of that line from an API, for example. You know. Why did you start this project? How how come? What how happened? Can you please uh, tell us a little bit how the story was? Yeah, this is a long story. Huh? Like it involves uh, back channel deals with me and Matteo drinking beers in pubs in London, <laughs> like after office hours. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, originally it started Inochain, this uh, Horizon 2020 EU-funded project kind of had this very broad assignment that I took on. Their question was, um, I mean, the question there was digital design communication is full of friction inside of, a, inside of the AEC industry. What can we do about it, right? And that's a very broad question. Like, where do you start? Like, what's causing this friction? Is it uh, existing software? Is it the existing standards? Is it the existing tech? So, and furthermore, like, what does collaboration mean? You know, like, how should collaboration shape up in this industry? So Speckle started simply as a kind of a way to define this problem. Like, here's a potential solution. Like, what do you as an industry think? And move forward from there, right? Um, yeah, and slowly, I mean, it evolved from that just by virtue of it being open source, you know, stumbled, um, it stumbled or users stumbled over Speckle and it kind of spread beyond its original kind of intentions as a as a research project, um, right? It's also, I think, because we were kind of driven to make a very usable product rather than something that is uh, the standard academic code, which is, you know, write once, run once, and then forget about it. Um, that's a, that's the start of the story, so to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, let me uh, dig a little bit deeper even. Uh, you said that you, you were talking about this uh, drinking beer after work. What kind of work were you doing before this? That's a, yeah, an interesting question that helps us, you know, connect the dots behind the, the history of Speckle. And I, I still remember when the time I was at Foster and Partners here in London, that, that's when I first heard about Speckle. I saw some videos on YouTube and I was quite impressed because, you know, this, this solution that let people, I think the very first iterations were very different from what we have now, but let people use sliders in the browser to control their grasshopper definitions. You know, these 3D parametric models online was quite cool at the time and one of, one of the first implementations that I ever saw. And the new features were being added. It was becoming quite similar to what Flux was at the time, even though Flux started after uh, Speckle, Speckle's inception. Um, and so, yeah, at the time I was at Foster's, I was working on some internal projects that were quite similar to Speckle. Uh, I saw a lot of parallels with Dimitri and, and I was trying to, to get to collaborate more and more. Unfortunately, that didn't happen within the company. There was some collaboration outside, some beers post-work. Uh, Dimitri was still at UCL at the time. And how did things evolve from there? I think I, I switched jobs, I, I joined Arup and, and over there, they were relying on Flux quite a lot. Uh, but what happened is that Flux um, <laughs> suddenly disappeared, <laughs> died, and they were looking for an alternative. And that's where um, we managed to get Dimitri to join. And uh, Aro put quite some internal efforts in, in supporting the platform in the long term. They used to develop some internal solutions, but as well, you know, they supported the platform and the project overall. Yeah, I mean, by offering me a job, right? So my, um, I mean, also that's thanks to Matteo's help, obviously. Um, but essentially my fellowship ended, so that was that. And then I was essentially looking for a home for Speckle. And with Matteo's help, like Caro provided a very nice home for us, essentially to work on Speckle and develop it further as an open source project, right? Interesting. 
Interesting. But are you still working in Europe or now you are focusing 100% on the project? We're focusing 100% of the project. Uh, both me and Matteo, we saw the pandemic coming and we said that this is the best time ever to start a company around an open source project. <laughs> so um, this is when um, I think April is getting to be a year now. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. That we established the company fully around Speckle to focus on it 100% and also be able to kind of serve the wider industry without kind of having difficult conversations around why are you helping our competitors? Why are our competitors using the same software as us? All these kind of um, tricky discussions. The, the only sustainable way to to satisfy to to accomplish the spectral mission and vision was to to you know to become an independent body. So uh, we could you know really support everybody from really large enterprises in AC startups vendors and in even companies that you know are outside AC. So there's such a variety of interests and and needs in in this industry and only as an independent company would have been able to support. Or try to support that, that them all. Yeah, uh, Dimitri, are you? Uh, your background is as a software uh, developer, or uh... no? I mean, partly yes, but I'm. Our backgrounds are very similar. I think both me and Matteo, we were laughing that we in high school we were doing like I don't know PHP, WordPress team development and stuff like this. Um, then we studied architectural engineering, um, but I think both of us always wanted to kind of keep on coding <laughs> so um that's um that's my background so as an architect, architect. so you yeah. you are a, okay so you you are an architect and matteo also an architect likewise i studied this hybrid engineering and architecture in italy but as Dimitri was saying, I, I enjoyed much more hacking and trying to automate my own work rather than <laughs> uh, designing or being creative uh, so I actually, my first job was at a case. I've been a consultancy based in New York. After that, I, I joined the WeWork crew for a bit. And then the, you know, a Fossil Partners and the R&D development team. And, uh, and then Arup was my last job uh, prior to Speckle. And always my role has been a bit of a software developer with AEC experience. So always trying to automate, improve existing workflows. A developing desktop software, web web uh, solutions as well, uh, and yeah, that was a great context to <laughs> to bring into into Speckle. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, now that we we made a proper introduction, uh, please uh, show me a little bit around the, the website and yeah, dive a little bit deeper into the software. Yes, I, I will. I will try. As I said, we don't really have a working demo ready yet but yeah that's a big item on our to do yeah we have a version a working version of spec we just haven't prepared <laughs> proper <laughs> yes. videos uh, and demo videos of, of the platform let's say <laughs> yeah so i mean the website is the website like what kind of the the two main things that we need to communicate about speckle very clearly now is that speckle is both kind of um there's a kind of end user product idea attached to it, which is mostly kind of centered around interoperability. And here, this is like kind of where all kind of our clients and are trying to kind of, you know, connect all the possible dots of AC together. This is, of course, kind of a, <laughs> a, 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 a work that will never finish. 
Um, then there's also stuff around collaboration as a product as well. So where we kind of allow people to share this data and manage this data in a kind of constructive way or kind of in a, in a way that kind of fits AC. This is something that we're trying to identify the best patterns that the industry wants to share this data with. Um, and then again, like providing extra stuff around kind of versioning and branching. This is kind of more advanced stuff. The detailed parts of the speckle as a product but then there's an important part of speckle kind of as the developer platform because you know in order for us to build all these beautiful things what we need to do is to you know build the lower level building blocks and this is where we're kind of putting again a lot of effort now into kind of creating a very user-friendly or let's say developer-friendly kind of set of sdks and patterns that you can follow to essentially like create apps or kind of scaffold automation scripts on top of data in speckle and kind of generally extend the platform in any way you want yeah as as developers of the aec industry ourselves we we want speckle to you know truly be a platform that makes other developers lives easier when having to deal with you know existing ac software so whether you have to extract data from a Revit model whether you have to you know create objects in a, in a platform or consume some APIs, we want that, you know, to be almost a pleasant experience. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, maybe a good example here is like um, Claire, um, a member of our team, she, she just made this guide like Rhino to Revit, like how to essentially take a very simple kind of Rhino model and like with a few simple clicks, get it out into Revit in a kind of super clean, more or less clean BIM model, right? And, you know, the guide has several steps, whatever, you create streams, you select the data you want to do. So these are all kind of other concepts that Speckle brings to the table around kind of data curation and so on and so forth. Um, and once you follow all these things, what you end up with is kind of like a very solid, uh, you know, Revit model, a BIM model. But kind of going beyond that, like the cool thing is like once you have this data in Speckle is that it's not just stuck into Rhino or Revit, it's kind of being exposed as an, as an API. And this is where kind of Speckle, the collaborative and the developer platform starts to shine. So that was the previous model that you probably saw. And this is, for example, the same model, or I think it's the same model displayed in the browser, right? So this is one thing that you can do. Um, obviously, this is not just kind of 3D information. It's also kind of like everything is, you know, accessible via the API in a very kind of nice ways or so we like to believe in which you can actually start doing all sorts of crazy stuff like uh, picking up for example if this model would have come from Revit for example you could automatically calculate you know the areas of all the rooms or you know you know scaffold extra automation on top of this so can, sorry for interrupting you that this looks very similar to github is this like a github repository for projects this is kind of where we're struggling a bit. Yes, ultimately, yes. So in the back end of Speckle, where we have gone with version two, we have literally, I mean, copy pasted is giving us too little credit and possibly doing a disservice to Git. Um, but we do have essentially a fully functioning version control uh, model for object-based kind of 3D information, I'd say. So ultimately, what you see, yes, commits, you know, objects are immutable, they're described by their hashes. Um, these things are kind of they're going to commits. These commits are associated with an author. 
They have a specific timestamp. You can go back in history as much as you want. Um, we're starting to scaffold uh, kind of extra ways of kind of tagging these versions of like kind of slicing and dicing through this data. One of this is branches. We plan to add releases in the future because this is kind of a big thing. Like you want to know, you know, on February 21st, this is the final thing that I delivered to the contractor. This is the data that I delivered at that specific point in time. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of similarities. We're kind of going very cautious in this direction because we don't know what the best models are, right? So for us, Git models and GitHub-like models come very easily to mind and kind of natively. We're still not sure if we should call commits versions or <laughs> versions we should call them commits. So there are these kind of things, but this is where we, we're continuously trying to have a dialogue with our community and figure out what the best things are to do, right? Nice. Yeah, and we, we see uh, Git has a very good analogy, but I think we I think Speckle goes beyond uh, that as has on top of that, of course, a very powerful interoperability platform that allows to convert data from you know a different variety of, of sources like Rhino, Revit, Grasshopper, Dynamo, Unity. We're working on Unreal and Excel connectors, Blender. So we are trying really to uh, target the the main. Um, software of our ecosystem and as well uh, there's additional additional features that are specific for for the AC so you can create web apps on top of Speckle and really leverage the data that comes from these softwares um, what else <laughs> I mean just by saying web apps you know like you you open up a lot of things for example and how is yeah so, sorry I, I just want to mention briefly that we see the Speckle as a technological layer for the AC industry where you know everybody can build additional intelligence on top of uh, for instance you could also see it as a devops platform at some point right where you push the data but then you process it with extra intelligence custom to you and then you get this data back transformed or you know uh, results or uh, however you want it. yeah true i mean there's there's plenty of kind of stuff that you can build on top of Speckle. We don't know what these are. And this is why we're kind of making a big effort in making sure that we have an extensible platform that can empower other developers inside the AEC industry to build on top on, right? Like simply, you know, just being able to view your Revit model in a browser without using Forge, for example, or without, you know, going through kind of other hacky solutions and without being just a, just a 3D model, like to be able to actually look at all the data that's in here and possibly scaffold various automation routines on top of that, or like kind of derive by process workflows coming from here. This is stuff that we're, we're trying to enable with Speckle both you know, these data-driven workflows that we mentioned quite a lot, we see them both as happening between people. So that's, I think, kind of at the core of a what collaboration means in AC, but also like between kind of, let's say, autonomous agents, right? Where you can start having uh, scripts running in the background, executing whenever data changes and so on and so forth. Interesting. Now, let me ask you something that I don't know how you will like this or not. But what is your stance on IFC? <laughs> we get this question asked so many times. And <laughs> it's funny, I don't have um, this draft here, but I get it. Yeah, what's our stance on IFC? How to put it, 
nicely and politely. Um, it's going to sound maybe possibly impolite, but ultimately we don't care. So Speckle is uh, object model agnostic. Uh, we see IFC just yet another object model that's kind of very valuable to the industry in the sense that it provides a certain rigorosity that without it, I think we'll be worse off. Um, where we come is from a different direction. So when where IFC wants to be a you know universally complete standard, uh, Speckle's approach is one to support multiple standards in the same way that you see these objects here that almost look like a J, like a JSON file. You can create a schema pretty much out of any of these objects, however you define them. And Speckle goes in the opposite direction principally as IFC in a sense, right? So I said IFC wants to be a complete universal standard. Speckle says, no, I actually want to define a set of very few elements that then end users can organically, dynamically combine together and create higher order meaning based on these structures. So I can rant a lot on this. I mean, if you go to, <laughs> to kind of communication studies, this has been what has been proven since the 50s, 60s, and so on is that kind of the language we use to talk continuously evolves, right? In the course of a conversation and in the course of relationships between people. So if you apply this to AC, you can say that, yeah, you know, as I first start discussing how do I share my Revit model with a, let's say, steel manufacturer, like I'm going to start sending the whole IFC file. But later down the line, you would understand that, okay, this steel beam manufacturer just needs the center line, the type of beam, and a couple of extra properties around that. And this is something that IFC doesn't allow you to do. And this is where we, I think, differ principally. At the same time, though, to reiterate, we do support it. So we have had, um, we've worked with um, Dennis Sheldon to like create a version of IFC JSON that's in Speckle, version 1.0 actually. Uh, that worked out nicely, actually. So there's no detriment to that. So that's where we stand, pretty much. We're trying to open up the kind of whole standards debacle into, you know, it's a bit of a Pandora's box that we're having quite a bit of fun opening up and seeing what happens. And trying this as a challenge to the industry, more or less. Yeah, that sounds fair enough. Matteo, do you have anything to add to this? Or no, it's pretty much what Dimitri said. Um, we are actually, yeah, working with some uh, university, trying to see if uh, how easily now we can get IFC through uh, different iteration of Speckle. Um, it, you know, technically there is no limitation. It's more. Uh, an amount of resources required for you know creating these converters, this implementation. Um, that's the main problem of IFC. It, it, it's a great standard, but doesn't have uh, implementations you know that are openly accessible. So if I want to you know to convert IFC to Revit, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything out there that we, we could leverage. And it's also there's a matter of fact that you know the level of fidelity that is expected from from Speckle at the moment for this kind of interoperability solution, like kind of IFC hits it and misses it at the same time. So, and that's not per se IFC's fault. It's the fault of building of the software vendors ultimately, right? Always have quirky implementations like you know a, a a curtain you know panel let's say wall is implemented in a very specific way in Revit with extra features that only exist in Revit, and what users want to do is to be able to easily create that thing in Rhino 
or in Grasshopper because Revit is such a clunky software when it comes to modeling things, right? And changes are very difficult to operate. Um, and that's why we come with a very kind of, let's say, pragmatic object model by default, right? Which helps us solve these interoperability challenges and move fast. Although uh, I know IFC is not ideal and it has many issues, uh, but like you said already, it's much better than not have it, right? But uh, I'm still thinking um, it becomes more and more popular to be required uh, by more and more clients and projects. Uh, so it's definitely something that uh, I don't think is going to be uh, left behind anytime soon, at least until we get something much better maybe no of course we're not planning to replace ifc it's just um so we have actually plans to be able to ingest ifc inside speckle and we also have plans later down the line to potentially be able to directly export ifc files from speckle um that's another kind of problem we have with ifc it being kind of a very file centric format speckle being very kind of like totally object-based um there's some conflicts there, um, but there's nothing that's not surmountable. And ultimately, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, processing this data into a shape that, you know, end users need, right? Yeah. Yeah, please go ahead. <laughs> no, we talk a lot, <laughs> so take care. And also, this is like you've reached the subject uh, of like... Uh, 200 pages of a PhD thesis and endless discussions with Matteo and so on. So, <laughs> I think one, one important thing to underline here that as Dimitri already mentioned is the, the flexibility that Speckle allows in terms of schema. So uh, when you install Speckle and you use it, it defaults to a schema that we call objects. Uh, it, you know, it contains all the basic geometry entities, the point lines, meshes, reps as well, has some basic definitions for VIM elements, especially for dealing with Revit. But the great thing of object is that it's uh, totally extensible. So you can either fork it and add your own entities on top of it, or you can create you know, your own schemas from scratch. So um, company XYZ, if they have, you know, a lot of the companies already have their internal schemas for dealing with you know, custom interoperability, or workflows, you know, they could just take their, their existing schema, add a few speckle specific properties, and then that would work uh, out of the box with any speckle uh, connectors. Uh, and that's just to fall back to what Dimitri was saying earlier, we are not trying to force anyone into using a specific schema or object model, you know, uh, speckle is completely schema agnostic. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's address a little bit people that don't really know what open source is. What does uh, this mean that Speckle is an open source software for a other AAC professionals? I, I think uh, now there's this thing that was uh, buzzing through my head uh, in the past few days, and I think it it's very important, and I think it you know it's worth mentioning it that to me one of the most important things of open of being open source is that. Speckle as a project, it, it will never die. So even if, if our company you know, was not to exist in a few years, Speckle will always be there. So that to me, that's the most promising thing of, of the project itself and why people should, should get involved and should you know, start using it and checking it out is that Speckle will never die. 
uh, Speckle will always exist as a project. Uh, code base is on GitHub. You know, it can't be taken down. Uh, so uh, that that's the number one thing about open sourceness that excites me. Yes, and and just to contrast that to, for example, other let's say cloud solutions that exist in the industry, which are number one closed source. So you'll never see the software behind them, right? The, the actual code. That means they're much more difficult to extend. And if you extend them, you just enrich a closed source ecosystem. And on top of that, three is like what Mateo said now, like it's, you know, if suddenly something happens to that closed service, your data is gone or whatever. And it's also a question of um, data, let's say ownership and data residency, which is kind of a big deal nowadays, like data sovereignty, who owns the data? Where is my data? You know, you get these questions asked a lot. Right. With Speckle, you always have an answer to this, like, okay, where do you want it to be? And that's where the data can be, right? It's not, um, um, it's not, you always have an exit and the backup. Yeah. And your data is not being mined for commercial purposes. It's not being sold to third parties, especially in the case you deploy and host your own Speckle server, you know, it's entirely your own property. We started recently offering hosted Speckle servers, but in, in any case, you know, we're not doing anything with our customers' data. It's always their, their own property. Yes, and, and the questions that we usually lead this kind of conversation is like, okay, where do you want us to host this data for you, right? Exactly. Or like, actually, can't your IT department just do this? And like, we don't need to just maybe help you initially to set things up and then we can just step back, right? So that's it. But I think and another very valid point on, on the open source agenda is really, you know, trying to be this force that disrupts the industry. So far, you know, across all the various positions I held in the AC industry as a professional, I've seen, you know, this tendency of, of seeing innovation uh, and new technologies as, as proprietary IP, as secrets that can't, you know, can't be shared. And the consequence of this behavior is simply, you know, the uh, decremental for the industry is that uh, it, it's super slow to, to advance as, as a collective, you know, uh, adopt new technologies and use them. And there's a lot of duplication of, of efforts. So many companies that have their own interrupt solutions, their own web viewers, it, it's insane. And just like the tech industry, you know, is making huge progresses thanks to open source projects that have been released by major, you know, companies like Google, Amazon, and now even Microsoft, you know, it's been become the major open source contributor in the, in the tech industry. Uh, we see open source as the solution to this, this problem, to this stagnancy of, of tech in AC. Yeah, I mean, I, I brought this up, like, I don't know if it's like the, we wrote a blog post on this, like what does kind of conceptually open source mean for us, right? And why we're, why we're sticking to it um, and why also, yeah, it's um, it's like really key to our mission <laughs> and to to our success essentially as well. And we, we it, it's funny though. Like I mean, if you, if we start thinking about this, we get like some very weird requests. There's a certain kind of lack of understanding in the industry of what actually open source means. A lot of people think it's like kind of a hippie kind of commune in a garage writing software that's insecure and it's gonna, you know, uh, steal your credit card data. Whereas actually, it's you know quite the contrary. You know, it's like um, there's much more eyes on open source code than on proprietary code, and 
And as well, like, there's another message there that, you know, we want this to be valid for everybody, right? We want everybody to equally participate in creating value based on kind of digital workflows and not just kind of get these things or leave these things under the exclusive purview of uh, Autodesk, Bentley, and so on and so forth, right? Yeah. But from, uh, uh, let's say there is a user that would be interested to use Specker, right? Mm -hmm. So it's free to download, right? What, what, uh, what he or she uh, needs to do in order to start using it? What is the workflow? Yeah, it's not that easy. I mean, it's not that easy. Sorry, it's not that difficult, um, though it could be easier. I think that's the correct way of uh, saying it. What they need, just need to do is like click the join the beta kind of here. And for now, actually just join the waiting list. Like maybe for the listeners on your podcast, we can show the secret shortcut. They can just go to speckle.xyz and they just need to log in with Google or whatever, create an account. I hope I didn't register this email address. I did. Anyway, uh, what will happen is that they will essentially be sent this nice onboarding screen, which is like four steps, and they can simply get going. Yeah, this is our general availability server, which is, you know, it, it's free for forever for all the individuals using it. And it's just a matter, as Dimitri was describing, creating an account, downloading the, the connectors, installing them, and then they're ready to go. There's really no extra complexity. And that, you know, that recommended setup for, for most users. If instead you're part of a larger company where you'd like to have Speckle, you know, deployed as uh, internally, there's, you know, uh, a variety of solutions there, uh, some a, a bit more complicated, but you know, in that case, uh, it, it'd be best discussed with their IT department. Uh, but there's a yeah a variety of ways in which you could use Speckle. You could even just uh, run it locally on your machine, you know, inside a yes. Docker container, and just you know that that that's it. <laughs> it's entirely up to you how you want to use it. Yeah. So pretty much. You know, just download the stuff, install the connectors for Rhino and Revit, and then just open Rhino or Revit or Grasshopper or Dynamo or whatever, or Blender, and send something out just for the, you know, thrill of seeing it in 3D in a browser with all its information attached to it, right? And then try receiving it back out in a different software. That's, um, those would be like kind of like the first two exciting steps that you can take with Speckle, I think. Yeah. And then obviously it's cool when you you know start sharing this stuff. So anyway, there's there's many ways to go about it. Maybe it sounds too good to be true. How do you uh, how do you earn any money to pay salaries to your employees then, if everything is free? Yes, everything is free, but open source does not mean free. So this is one thing that we've realized actually that the cost of actually deploying Speckle servers internally inside an AAC enterprise and maintaining them and maintain them and update them and keep everything, you know, ensuring that they're up and running and that they're not, uh, there's not any downtime just before a deadline. Like we got angry emails on, on this anyway, from, you know, and there was nothing we can do because they were not servers maintained by us. Right. <laughs> like, oops. Um, so these costs can like for a kind of medium enterprise could spiral out of control if you count into account the ITFs, like they can be upwards of 60,000 pounds a year, right? Like just paying people's time to maintain and deploy and update Speckle servers. So this is where we have Speckle Enterprise offering, right? 
which currently is doing just that. It's essentially saying, we will take care of managing the speckle servers for you. You will have a stable version. You will have a bleeding edge version so that you can test the latest features that we're pushing out weekly. And we'll ensure that these things stay online and that they won't crash before your deadline. Right. Um, <laughs> in the past, we got like very random stuff on our former Slack group that we're not using anymore, but we were getting things like, hey, um, speckle is not working and you know like after half an hour of discussion you realize that speckle is not working because speckle previously was working on his co-worker's computer under the desk and that respective person went on holiday and shut down his computer it's a it's a true story <laughs> this is yes it's a true story and then you know this is where essentially you start understanding that there is an, there's a cost to open source, right? It's not necessarily monetary. It can be effort of deployment. So this is how we plan to make money, simply put. It's um, SaaS. By supporting, with support, through support, yes. uh, helping companies to maintain and uh, deploy servers. Exactly. Yes. And um, as well, going beyond that, like we might... Because there's, there's another thing, like a lot of kind of like Arup and a lot of other companies have been developing, um, Echodale, for example, have been developing closed source stuff on top of Speckle, like applications. You might have seen the Arup Carbon tool. That's a closed source application that does some very fast uh, embodied carbon calculations on data inside Speckle. And we're planning to possibly in the future also develop some sort of kind of applications on top of Speckle that we might offer at a cost. This is very similar to the WordPress uh, business model where, you know, WordPress is entirely free or GitLab and then you monetize on add-ons, plugins. Plugins, uh, yeah. Exactly yeah. on top of, of the platform. And then even there, our, our vision is a kind of, open source first company is that, you know, we will have closed source stuff like this application, I don't know, let's say just automate cost calculation on Rhino models, for example, or whatever, you know, and totally, we might actually do that. Anyway, um, <laughs> we will have this kind of closed source applications, but as we progress and as kind of like the future of the project is becoming sustainable, just like GitHub kind of kept on, you know, Initially in GitHub, you could have no private repositories for free, right? Then a couple of years later, you suddenly have them for free. And always when they said this, it was because they had enough enterprise customers and they were in a good enough position that they are now being able to make uh, free what previously was coming at a cost. So that's our kind of vision here. Like as we reach sustainability as a company, we're going to open source any closed source stuff that we're going to make, right? Uh, this ensures that also incentives are aligned, right? <laughs> we can't have, um, uh, yeah, as you said, we need to pay salaries, so. Yeah, 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 of course. Uh, but anyway, uh, the, the, there is going to be a free version, right? Like uh, for the, the geekiest uh, person. Uh, it's always going to be there, yeah. To do it themselves, they can do it, right? So it's of just course. if you want to 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 have more security, and uh, yeah, be sure that everything works as as expected. But if you have, if there is an individual, maybe me, if I want to learn how Speckle works or something, there will be a way to try to do that, right? Totally. Speckle, yeah. the platform, the core of the platform, you know, so the, the what it is now, especially, will always be free and open source. Uh, we we don't want to compromise on that. Uh, if there's any 
if it is going to be any closed or just source available feature, it's always going to be on, on top of, of spec or like across. Okay. Yes, and pretty much so far, like 99.999% of <laughs> everything, every code that we've written is open source. And we also see, I think, kind of going forward, yeah. I mean, we don't see any reason, like we would be kind of doing ourselves a disservice if we would make it difficult for geeks like you, for example, to start jumping on Spectre. Yeah, we've even released a, a bunch of tools and we're planning to release more that are not part of the Spectre platform, but they're open source yeah. just because we think, you know, other people could benefit from them. So one is the Spectre, no, the Grasshopper async component. Uh, yeah, that growth. we use at the base and the XUnit uh, Revit tester. Yeah. No. So tools for Grasshopper and, and Revit that, you know, we just believe that the rest of the community or the industry, you know, could benefit from. And really that, you know, just falls back into our mission and vision that that's why Speckle exists. That's why company behind Speckle exists. And that's what we want to do and continue, continue doing. So nice. Yeah, let's see if we survive. <laughs> <laughs> you must, you must do it, right? It's important. Like we need more, uh, more companies uh, with this approach, not driven just to um, to close the the AAC environment as much as possible. Yes, we we agree with that sentiment. It's true. I mean, we do not doubt the success of Speckle as an open source project. If anything is a doubt, it's 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 the it's the business around it. Cash flow for business, yeah, yeah I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, it's a startup. I know how it is. What is the background of uh, most of your users so far? Is uh, are there more mostly engineers or architects or project managers or who who is using mostly this? Computational designers, to be honest. So I think across all these disciplines. Some yeah. computational designers in project management roles. Some, yeah, go ahead, Matteo. It's mostly, if, if you're dealing with data in your daily job, you're most likely going to benefit from Speckle. Speckle really enhances any data-driven workflow. So uh, as Dimitri was saying, you know, despite of the discipline you might be working with, you know, architecture, geotechnical, engineering, MEP, it doesn't really matter. If you have a need of dealing with data, especially across different softwares, then Speckle is a great solution. Can you tell me some uh, some use cases that most of the uh, users are uh, are giving you feedback about? Like mm -hmm. they said that yeah, we use this mostly for this and it works awesome. Uh, what what is the the uh, the most obvious uh, use cases? Let's say. I think we have an assorted collection of tweets that we kind of keep on trying to keep track of, uh, uh, and many unpublished use cases. But go ahead, Matteo. Yeah, I think number one that I have personally seen, and I think you know, it's been daunting our industry forever, and we are hopefully, you know, I mean, finally providing a free and 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 good solution to is the interop between Grasshopper uh, and Rhino to to Revit. So that's a process that's never been. E never been you know fully supported by any vendors it's never been free or easily accessible now we have full support of uh, all the basic geometry so even b reps you know they get transferred to to revit uh, as native revit geometry 
but also revit families can be generated now from our grasshopper and, and rhino connectors so that mostly i would say for our for architects uh, it's been a major challenge because they really like to to spend their uh, concept design stage in freeform modeling platforms like Rhino, but then they find the struggle that they can't really replicate some of these shapes easily and natively from Revit. And having something that lets them, you know, transfer automatically regenerate these forms uh, is extremely valuable. So that maybe is number one use case. But yeah, I mean, interoperability just definitely generates the most excitement. It's like, oh, wow, look, I click three buttons and, you know, this problem, this ex this PDF file export now, you know, just takes five seconds, right? Um, there's another kind of use case that's a bit more long-winded to express. Is like one that we kind of, I think it's more closely to our soul. And we've seen Speckle like adopted by, for example, Arup and Royal Haskening as kind of, a digital platform that they can scaffold their essentially all their digital efforts on top of and they use Pycle kind of as a as the glue in between all their workflows and this comes from integrating structural analysis software with rhino with uh, sap with with custom actually analysis routines written in python and so on and so forth and all these things kind of orchestrating kind of like workflows around like the Rotterdam Fine Nord Stadium, for example, or like some, the, the, what was it, the Melbourne Metro coming from Arup. Um, there were other cool projects that we're never allowed to share, like around uh, Houston in, in the UK. And this is where we see Speckle used both as an interoperability platform and both kind of as a kind of automation base and kind of expresses its true digital identity in which like oh wow Rook. it's not only interoperability it's actually interoperability plus plus you can actually process this data and shape it and generate pdf reports automatically from revit models and stuff like this so yeah it's because it's a bit of a swiss knife right you there's no limit to, to what you can do with it yeah, but I think the, the use case of Speckle as a kind of construction cloud, if you may, or like that anybody can customize, I think that's what excites me the most when I see that happening. This is what um, that, uh, you know, gives me hope for the future. And there's other use cases like kind of a BIM consultancy in Germany, Echodale developed this software called the A3D that's uh, based on Speckle 1.0. And what it does is kind of like validation of data, ensuring that your uh, your BIM models have the correct kind of fire safety rating stuff attached on top of them and, and all that jazz. There's applications that we saw based on like security door analysis. So basically for data centers, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so basically just ensuring that all doors in a building have the correct security requirements attached to them based on the functional zones around them. It's again, like kind of seeing that as a web app built on top of speckle man, yeah it's quite cool right you know so um this is what excites us the most interesting interesting you mentioned uh, communication as well between uh, teams and such are you using in any way bcf here or uh... i will let uh, the father of bc fire Matteo <laughs> Discuss this. Yeah, it's funny that you ask. Actually, BCF was one of my earliest uh, projects when I was at Acacia at the beginning, very beginning of my, my career. Um, for those listening who don't know about BCF, it's, it's the team collaboration format 
that was started by Building Smart. And um, what is it, BCF is trying to solve is the problem, and again, on communication around issues or problems in a building. So similarly to how in Git you have issue tracking, you know, BCF was uh, seen as an attempt to, to you know, to, to be able to track uh, issues, problems, you know, organize them in a structured format that could be easily communicated and shared together with the, with the model. Um, and uh, yeah, as I was mentioning, beginning in my career, I developed this BC, fire that Dimitri is now showing, uh, the first plugin for Revit that could handle uh, BCF files, so create them and, and open them. Um, we are, to answer your question, we're planning to, to integrate with BCF at some point, uh, as many other vendors have done. Uh, it, will for sure be able to ingest BCF, maybe export them, but internally they will be you know, handled maybe a bit in a custom ways. But we totally see it, you know, power in, in, in supporting it. As, the, as we were talking about before, if Speckle is Git for AC, having support for issues, issue tracking is a natural evolution of, of the platform itself. Yeah, and that's something that's actually on our roadmap coming yeah. soon. So. Um... Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because you mentioned a roadmap, what what do you have uh, on your roadmap, guys? Uh, what do we have on our roadmap? Let me pull it up. We do. We actually we're hesitant about publishing roadmaps because they they become obsolete. Very quickly. <laughs> yes, exactly. They're very static documents that tend to become obsolete rather fast. So, I mean, I'll start with what we see as stable. And by stable, I mean that it enter kind of like long-term support. So it's going to receive continuous improvements. It's not done. Nothing is ever done. So we have Revit, Rhino Dynamo, all this stuff. They're more or less stable, fingers crossed. Um, what we are now pushing for a lot is uh, essentially documentation, right? And some other improvements on the connector side and kind of shoring up our interoperability layer, making sure it's smooth. And then, yes, in the backlog where essentially the exciting stuff are is essentially a C++ SDK that's essentially going to feed in an Unreal connector. This is, uh, we recently got a uh, Epic Mega Grant. So this is for developing these two cards here um, that we actually just started on. So there should be maybe in progress. Anyway, see, as I said, <laughs> become inspired. Doing our planning today, so <laughs> it was part of it. True. Um, anyway, then we have Excel connector. A lot of people demand it. So we want to see SketchUp again. Um, integrating with structural software, this is something where we're a bit behind when it comes to 1.0 parity. We don't yet have integrations for those. And other random stuff like supporting point clouds, blocks, uh, structural objects. Then we have a lot of kind of stuff that we want to develop on the back end, on the server side of Speckle, um, which they go to actually help creating kind of applications on top of Speckle. Uh, the same level of complexity, such as like CircleCI on Jenkins, or like being able to run automated checks on Speckle data. And this is why we have webhooks in here and uh, activity stream notifications, um, admin panels, so that if you're an admin of a server, that you can actually kind of manage a bit better, like what's going on inside that server without actually poking in the database, which is currently the only way you can do it. 
Um, yeah, improvements for the 3D viewer. These roadmaps are sometimes like depressing as hell, to be honest. And it's a sunny Monday. <laughs> so there's a lot that we want to do, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. These are Can you some scroll of up a little bit? Yeah. Scroll I up can. a little bit. Uh, yes. bl Blender connector. What's the status yes. on that one? Actually, if you would have been to our stand-up, our community stand-up last uh, Wednesday, I think, it's good. It's working. It receives data. <laughs> like essentially the one-pointer connector is developed by Tom's Villains. The one-pointer connector was developed by Tom's Villains. Um, now the two-pointer connector is still developed by Tom's Villains, but Easy, um, our first hire, is helping him out. And uh, yeah, she's also, I think, possibly prodding Tom into doing more. <laughs> anyway, so the status of the Blender connector is quite, let's just say, reaching maybe an early beta stage, if I'm to be, let's say, optimistic about it. Mm -hmm. And we're also planning to integrate with uh, Dion Moult's um, Blender Beam. Blender so this Beam? Is actually, yeah, with Blender Beam. This is kind of on our sprint. We just added it for this next two weeks task list is to look, because I think if we have a Blender connector already, actually integrating with what Blender Beam does is not such a huge step. So um, yeah. it might be an easier connection than we think that. Okay. Yeah, that's very nice. Yeah. So Blender Beam is part of the Blender connector card, so to say. Yeah, and, and we'd love to, to investigate, you know, connecting with other open source AC and Beam tools like FreeCAD. I know yes. not a lot of our current users are users of FreeCAD, but as soon as, you know, there's, there's more interest, we would definitely love to, to push for it. Yeah, but listen. Uh, if you are still going to do this uh, thing with Blender Beam, there might be another uh, very smart uh, Blender add-on uh, to connect it with, which is Sverchok, which is Sverchok. Uh, an equivalent. Yeah, it's an equivalent of Grasshopper for Blender, okay. and uh, and that's free, of course. So because Grasshopper right now, if you want to learn and you want to do it on your own, you don't uh, have it on your company, it's not so, like you need to purchase first uh, Rhino, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, this would be um, uh, very affordable, uh, not very affordable, free, right? Uh, everybody who wants to, uh, to try to learn would have access to it, to, to it. So yeah, it, it would be really nice. Yeah, thanks for pointing it out because we're like sometimes lost. You know, like there's a lot of people screaming for civil 3D integrations, which we have, but we still have to improve for like uh, ETABs, uh, SAP, uh, SketchUp. So we get bombarded from all directions, like strange geological analysis software that you've never heard of than other strange analysis software that you've never heard of. And we can miss obvious things so, such as the grasshopper of Blender. So that's, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. For me, for me, this is very important. Like I said, why? Because like, uh, if you want to learn AutoCAD or Revit or something, it's easy to do that. You can f uh, get a license as a student or something. I don't know if you want to do that, right? Uh, but uh, if you want, if you don't want to get involved in Autodesk in, uh, environment and you want something free, Zverchok is the, the only uh, alternative. Alternative and Blender, right? So it's very nice. It would be very nice to have uh, this possibility to. Uh, to to integrate it, yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice, cool. I did not ask about uh, how big is the team, your team. Are you only you two and uh, plus one, or? 
I no. think we're um, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> no, we are seven people now. Yeah, currently six, but uh, one uh, is joining soon, so it's going to be seven. Yeah, we're not planning on growing much more for for now. Uh, it's a very good team, you know, quite diversified backgrounds. Most of us are, I mean, basically, yeah, most of us are going are going to be uh, software engineers with a background in in AC. Uh, quite different backgrounds, so that it's really helpful when you know having to tackle different softwares like um, all the ones that we just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yes, and right now I think we've reached the team, yeah, the size that we're comfortable with and that we can progress at the speed that we want to. So we're not necessarily planning to grow. But though, like if anybody listening in feels like they would want to join the Speckle mission, please reach out to us <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah right but uh, there, is, there is, is there any way that uh because it's open source like other people can contribute to the project right of course yes yeah for sure this is always like we've always been open to contributions and i don't know if you've seen maybe when i was spinning the 3d models around earlier in on speculos xyz um the section box, you might have noticed it, like me chopping up a model. Yeah, 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 I remember. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a contribution from uh, Nick, who works in uh, in the US, and uh, yeah, that's uh, so we're definitely open, right? It's more of a matter like what what we found is like sometimes contributions are difficult to come by, and it's difficult to request them because it's a big time commitment. It's work that you essentially do for free. And it's also sometimes speckle can be like kind of as a whole system can be a bit daunting. So you would have to read through quite a few bits of code until you would be able to kind of make, um, you know, to have the courage to make a contribution. And that's why essentially we we should improve here, actually. I think this is something that we need to work on, like how will we be more friendly to external contributions in a sense. Currently, that's a big effort from our side as well, to be able to scope and define problems in a in a fixed way, in a kind of very you know easy to follow way. Now we're at the stage where we, if we do that, we probably already fix the problem because it's much easier <laughs> for us. Yeah. But going down the line, we see ourselves trying to be more engaging on the contribution yeah, and then, side. And an area in which we're looking for contributions a lot is really developing your connectors. Uh, in this case, we're looking for skilled developers that you know are looking to develop and, and also maintain these connectors. It, of course, given the increasing number, uh, it, it's going to be hard down the line for us to manage and uh, maintain all of these connectors. But if people like, like Tom, you know, take on some of these, uh, that that's amazing. So, and here we're also looking at, at vendors and AC companies. Uh, so we're having some. Well, I'm not going to say the name. We're having some early conversation with some vendors. You know, hopefully they will lead to to some official spec of connectors that could be maintained uh, by them. Interesting. Than yeah. By us. Yeah. Finger crossed with that. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> What what uh, programming languages are uh, ESPeckle friendly with? That uh, if uh, somebody is interested to contribute. So the canonical SDK, let's say, is .NET, uh, C sharp specifically, and that's where kind of most of our connectors are also implemented in. Uh, we have a very 
good and popular 2.0 uh, Python SDK, which is what is used in the Blender connector. And then everything that you see essentially that has to do with the internet. So from the backend server to the viewer is JavaScript. So this is our current uh, stack. And, and we're planning on, on developing a C++ SDK that will mainly target Unreal, but we don't know, you know, it will probably hopefully open doors to additional connectors to be developed if, if C++ is a requirement. Like Archicad, yeah. Though, like, I mean, we're yeah, dubious about C++ because there's not many people that are enthusiastic about C++ <laughs> in the industry. So. Or then know it at, yeah. at all. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's more complicated. More Hardcore. Hardcore, yeah. yes. Hardcore. That's the correct word. Well, I finished my questions, guys. Awesome. Do you okay. think I missed anything that uh, you would like to mention now at the end? I, I would like to encourage anyone listening who might have any curiosity, questions, feedback on Speckle to get in touch. And the best way to do so is through the community forum, which Dimitri could quickly open. Ah, oh, no, he's on, on the question. Uh, but that's where, you know, we're encouraging all the conversations to, to happen and, you know, ranging from ideas, bug reports, feedback, or even, you know, just a rant on, <laughs> on whatever AC related that, you know, we're really encouraging conversations there. Sorry, I, I had it open and you can, that's speckle.community. It's super yeah. easy to... Easy to remember, to find. easy to access yes. <laughs> and to use. Um, yeah, that's it. And also like engage here, this is one place. GitHub is another place, you know, it's, um, there's many points of engagement. If you're curious, just uh, join the beta waiting list or like just let us know and we'll send you an invite. Um, you know, and I mean, yeah, the point is we're trying to build this for the greater good of AC as a whole, as an industry. So the more the merrier contributions are welcome, both code-wise and as well kind of feature-wise and bug-wise. This is something that we appreciate Usability. a lot. <laughs> yes. And this is something that maybe is missed a lot. We don't count contributions only as code. Like some of the most valuable contributions we've got have been like, hey, you've missed this critical bug fix, or hey, this works really strangely in Revit, why doesn't it work like this, right? Which are things that, you know, make spectacle. Yes, exactly. And these are as valuable for us as lines of code, right? Because Absolutely. They're, um, they reinforce each other. So yeah, that's cool. No, thanks for having us, Petro. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a Thank lot. Thank you for joining me. It was very nice to talk to you guys. I wish you good luck, and uh, I hope you'll still be here in 50 years. <laughs> yeah, we hope so, too. <laughs> yes. The company. I, I mean the company. You will definitely be. Why not? Uh, <laughs> 2100. Yes, wow. we hope so, too. <laughs> Thank you.